Hello, welcome to Solomon's Temple. This episode is going to be on Frederick Nietzsche. I'm going to pull from Twilight of the Idols, one of his later works from 1888. The section I'm going to do is morality as anti-nature. I'll go over what he means by that. Nietzsche criticizes Christianity and its will to sort of pluck out the desires that if your eye offends thee, pluck it out. He says that it's sort of a castracizing or to castrate that which produces desires. That in the past, wars have been waged because of passions and the disagreements of what to do morally about them. He says that destroying the passions and desires merely in order to avoid their stupidity and the disagreeable consequences of their stupidity seems to us nowadays to be itself simply an acute form of stupidity. Nietzsche believes that attacking the passions at its roots or eradicating them and pulling them out in order to spiritualize oneself is inimical to life. Its disciplining has put the emphasis throughout the ages on an eradication of sensuality, pride, the urge to rule, to possess, and to avenge. And Nietzsche thinks that this is simply destroying the spirit, not ameliorating it. It is no way to cure spirituality. Nietzsche goes on to say that those facing an impulse or a desire and cannot respond to it and are not acting appropriately in the face of feeling such desires have a lack of will and are showing a sort of degeneracy. He goes on to say that it's not only the impotent that say poisonous things about the senses, but also those that can do with curbing the senses and being ascetics themselves have said poisonous things against the senses. That having too much is not good, and that having not enough isn't either, and that you might dispel the senses in some way from a lack, or you might dispel them from having too much. Nietzsche says the spirituality of sensuality is called love. He says that the church has always had enemies and that it does not like its enemies and it has created the concept of evil around going against what is holy. He says that for any party, political or of any persuasion at all, spiritual, that it is an advantage that there are anti-people out there, that there is an opposition, that there would not be a necessity unless there is something willing to go against it, that one can only be fruitful in having opposite. He says that renouncing a great amount of war means renouncing a great amount of life. This sort of re reminds me of Heraclitus and what he said, that war is a sort of piecing out of harmony and war, or that the opposing forces of the lyre the two points and the string running between them, that when you stretch it back, the force becomes greater and greater as the two ends collapse. And this is sort of like how electricity works in electric potential. Nietzsche defines his peace of soul as being a sort of struggle of dealing with mastering something, doing, willing, affecting your own desires and overcoming them. Also, the vanity of being spoiled and being lazy and dressing itself up in the garb of morality, that taking for granted things also, and that relaxing in the light of your own accomplishments, that at the onset and at the finish of something, that there is all this struggle, and then there's the amelioration of it, and then there's a repetition of having desires again. Feeling satiated about the desires, the ruling desire you are having, is what is most common in the now, and that you will have an unlimited supply of these recurring. 
but the fact of the matter that you can feel satisfied now is the most important thing. That in order to have a solid, free life full of, of desires and accumulating them and satiating them, a sort of struggle is the way to a good life. Nietzsche says that morality or religious morality is the end of the satiation of desires and that it's a castrating effect. So in being that morality is a sort of anti-nature and that nature itself looks to fulfill these vital senses. More bluntly put, life ends where the kingdom of God begins. We judge the value of our life and we value, we have to make values in life. Life forces us to value it. And he's saying that the value in life brought on by morality is a life of perishing values that we value based on how we are understanding what our will to life is about, that what generates our will to life is the strength of our senses, and that in a declining, weakened, tired, and condemned state is the moral life in his opinion. He says that a moral life is the judgment of the condemned. Being unable to respond to the strength of impulses of the senses, that it's a decline for the will to life. And he says that it is an imperative that is creative out of choosing to condemn these things, is to condemn the will to live. The moral man is always denying, saying you should not be this way or that way. But the immoralists, he says, are the way to go, that having these intentions being inspired to do so, having these feelings and acting upon them is the way to be. You cannot deny the world, that you cannot have modesty in the face of a world that is not inherently modest. They do not close their hearts or their minds to everything that is going on in the world. The immoralists are understanding and comprehending and approving of the world and that there is a sort of openness and a reason that goes along with the immoralist that transcends the sickness of reason, so to speak, of the priests and the virtuous men. He believes that this kind of morality has put a lot of damage into the world, that it has not enlivened and empowered very many people that it has kept them down. He says that richness, extravagance, and a full life comes from the opening up to everything that is involved in life, and that you cannot see this without being a part of the extravagance and the alteration of forms, that this can only be accessed by someone who is thoroughly open and affirmative in life, and that which doesn't condemn it in itself. In some sense, I agree, but I also think that in the way of making yourself in the world that there's a continuous lack of comfort and being satisfied with yourself that you can never really gain a total peace of mind or spirit in the vein of always have having to pursue and go over that which you desire because there is no leveling out of what you can still desire and there is no medium for which you could feel comfortable where you're at that you're always struggling and striving for more and more and more satiation of these things that cannot you cannot desire. That you will always find yourself pining after and not being happy enough when you find a promotion or you attain something you've always wanted, like maybe a new microphone. It almost seems as if just the power principle or that which has a capacity to do something is very central probably to the German state and to modern civilizations. It would be almost as if attaining some sort of state of happiness or thrill, it'd be the same sort of process as wanting a Snickers bar. 
at the end of the day, and that they will never fulfill themselves, although they are a sort of seeking and then apprehending into the now, and then it's gone. So I don't know how much uh, emphasis he's putting on this view of having a will to live is having a will to desire and attain it and satiate your desires and senses. I don't know how much um, corresponds to happiness or to a general sense of, of loving life, but it certainly seems to be a central part of dealing with a lack of satiety, a lack of fulfillment. But I don't know if that will ever, ever be fulfilled or it'll ever be enough. I'm sure we could refer back to Aristotle's virtue ethics on this one, and you can make up your own mind. Thank you for joining me on this episode. I'll see you next time.